people on the interweb. Uh, I'm your host today, Peter Karutz, and this is Stephen McCain, Professor Stephen McCain. Uh, you know, we, we often give the interweb people a, a little bit of extra insight. So what's the program today? And then let's tell them a little bit about who you are, if that's okay. And I got to actually speak in the microphone. Sure. Speaking um, on my lapel. Yeah. What we were going to do a series on the Desert Fathers. Yeah. Now, who Desert Fathers. So this is something that I got to tell you, I'm just... It's brand new for me, I, it, and I've been a Catholic for a long time, like all my life. It's, it's, it's interesting, um, the history of them. It, it starts perhaps with the birth of Anthony of the Desert in 251 A.D. He is really the main leader who moves Christianity deep into the desert, into monasticism. So he lives over 100 years old, I think 108 and so he's sort of the first generation of desert dwellers. And from there, you have generation after generation, especially the fourth century and the fifth century have so many desert fathers that solidified the monastic movement. And when we talk about the monastic movement, they, had, they, they lived in a, in, in a very solitary fashion, you know, with quite literally in quiet and solitude. And uh, people would visit them, right? Right. Yeah, right. yeah, for advice, for solitude, for spiritual direction, if you will. And so why do we study the Desert Fathers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the key reason here is when people uh, either turn into hermits or they go into a monastic community in the desert and they've devoted their life to prayer, then their approach to the gospel— is a deeper approach. So, you know, we get so many people talking about what the gospel means, but when you when you have someone who's prayed for 80 years, yeah, and he starts yeah. to comment on How the gospel, it? he's in a different level. Yeah. Totally different level. Yeah. Now, now Stephen, we're going to put our earmuffs on, but okay. um, tell me, we uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be a a, a desert uh, uh, person who is living in the desert and, and in solitude and so what good does that do me, this, this whole Desert Fathers stuff? Well, uh, when, we go and, uh, and when we go to reconciliation yeah. and we repeat the same sin over— Has and, that ever happened? Uh, uh, yes, that, that happens quite often. So how do you overcome your corrupt life? How do you overcome your sins? And you can, you can get a lot of people who give you advice— but um, the Desert Fathers give you the purest advice. So they're a good, uh, they're a good harbor for study. So we don't have to uh, give up life and go and live in a, in, a, in a pit in the desert to gain lots of benefit from the Desert Fathers. But we must find silence. Got to find silence, yeah. All right, so we are at three minutes, two, as you see on the interweb here. We, uh, we live by the clock here. When, the, when we go live, we really are live, so we better, better do what we're told. I'm going to write a quick email to my family who are on the road. By the way, you know, if you want to listen to this and you're on the road and you can't find uh, our affiliate, uh, you can just go to uh, Covenant, Rate, Covenant Network Catholic Radio or just go Covenant Network, well, see, Covenant Radio St. Louis on Google and you'll find it. And there's a listen now. And you can listen to it anytime you want. So the other advice I'll give in terms of being a desert father is um, eventually, I guess, the monastic life became more communal as opposed to solitary. Or did that happen in the, in the desert fathers? Did they remain in their solitude or did they become more, you know, communal, right, in, in groups as opposed to just individual? I, I think it, uh, the her to, to be a hermit, it's a skill set. Oh. It's not something for everyone. Got it. And there are certain people who have that strength. Uh, to be a hermit is a very difficult thing. 
um, to not talk to anybody but to God um, all day long uh, is a difficult thing to do. For decades. For decades on end. Yeah. Um, decades. Uh, it was uh, it was interesting. Uh, Saint Jerome uh, feast day was this week, and at mass uh, this week uh, in the homily was mentioning that Saint Jerome, uh, who didn't necessarily have a very friendly personality, was getting really sick of gossip with other saints who would become saints, and he so he went. Uh, for the rest of his life to just be a hermit. Wow. Um, just to get away from... St. Jerome, did he, did he um, transcribe the Bible from the original Hebrew and Greek? And Greek to, to, to the Latin, and, yeah. and it's called Vulgate, so, yeah. and, and it's still used today. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Welcome. Yes, thank you, Matt. Uh, I am your host, Peter Karutz. We are here on Catholic Radio, live in St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We are fortunate to have Professor Stephen McCain, and I call him Professor because he really is. You know, I guess your uh, your specialty is in Chinese business from a professional standpoint. Yes, yes. Yeah, but we're going to be talking about the Desert Fathers. So today's topic is gluttony, the Desert Fathers. And, and I got to tell you, we're going to learn a little bit about Stephen and who he is and, and uh, a little bit about the Desert Fathers. But let me just tell you, I'm just going to be right up front. I've been a Catholic for like all my life. You know, I'm not a revert, convert. You know, I've been here. You know, I've been walking the walk for a long time, you know, going to Mass, going to confession, listen to the Gospels. This stuff is, this stuff is, is, is shocking, brand new. I mean, it, it's not new ideas, but the presentation of, the, of, of this insight of the Desert Fathers, for me, is like a bucket of cold water. It's opening my eyes. It's just filling my mind. I, I, I cannot emphasize enough how, uh, you know, cut from new whole cloth this is. And I don't think I'm alone. No, not, you know, it's the age we live in is so corrupted that even the best of the best of this age is still has a taint of, of, of laziness and a taint of lack of discipline. Um, but when you go back in time in different ages, you have just, just incredible stuff that's written. And the Desert Fathers are the core of, of true Christian uh, theology. Yeah. Well, our good friend Father Augustine has actually just written a book. Oh, boy, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to say so. Well, I, we're in the forgiveness business here, so it's it's going to be out soon, and it is on the Desert Fathers, and I can't wait to 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 read it. I I don't know if it's actually been submitted for publishing yet, but it's it's coming out. So we're all going to have a, a a way to study this a little bit better, more contemporaneously, and then. Stephen's going to tell us a little bit about how we can go deeper into it, and there's a lot of deep, a lot of depth to go into. So let me remind everyone again, the name of this program is Gluttony, or the Desert Fathers on Gluttony. Um, but as we always say, and I never do, we try and start with a prayer, and I didn't uh, prep you for this, Stephen, but you're the guest, and you're in the chair at my right, so I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, start us off with a, a prayer. God Almighty, who created heaven and earth... Our Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, Holy Spirit, Comforter and Giver of Life, Trinity One, open our minds to the depth of the wisdom you can give us. Through Jesus Christ we ask this. 
Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. And I'm just going to be, I'm going to fess up to everybody. I always think I have something interesting to say, you know, pride. There's another thing for me to, to go to confession about. But with regard to the Desert Fathers, Stephen, I'm sitting here learning just like everybody else is out there. And the first thing that comes to mind is I think of a solitary life of silence and prayer for a Desert Father, right? Gluttony is not one of the things that seem to be on my mind. But that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about gluttony. Well, let's Jump p- us in here. What, what, are we, what are we doing here? Let's, let's position this. So let's talk a little bit about history and how it relates to the subject today. Um, Please. So St. Anthony goes into the desert, and by the turn into the 4th century, um, he's, he's approaching 50 years old, and he's starting to have a lot of wisdom, and people are watching him. And the Diocletian purge will go for another 13 years to 313. And people are starting to be drawn to men. And there's another one, Paul, who went in the desert actually before uh, St. Anthony of the desert. And so you have this next generation that comes in. And um, so in uh, around 340, uh, A.D., uh, an individual is born, and he's in the third generation of this. Uh, name is Evagrius of Pontus, and uh, he is in deep prayer trying to decide how to simplify over 300 sins. And uh, through the Holy Spirit, he comes out with this incredible psychology, Christian psychology, and uh, he, he's the one who, where the origin of the eight deadly vices come from. So these eight deadly vices are what plague us as Christians, and, and we have to overcome them, just like the uh, is, Israelis had to go into the land, cross the Jordan, and, and take it. You know? So we've got to take our heart just like they took the land. So Fundamentally, he says that all sin starts in Egypt. So the sin of Egypt is gluttony. Ah, uh-huh. and, and so all sin starts with gluttony. And through temperance and self-control, which is a grace given to us by God, as we seek to have that, uh, we are able to tame then the, the seven vices, which are the seven tribes of Canaan, uh, which the next one would be lust. So to tame lust, you must tame your stomach. But it's in today's modern world, it's more than just stomach. You know, it's, it's the watching of TV. It's, uh, it's being totally into the world and finding joy and in multiple things of the world. And and you need to, 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 from a gluttonous point of view, start giving more and more time to God. So this is all developing, and just to go back into the history a little bit so we can maybe appreciate it, because I am now, the, you, you talk about the, the Diocletian. Now, this was a, an emperor who was... This is the last of 10 emperors. Right. So when you look at um, the... Great se- suffering, great, 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 great persecution, yes, so huge the, persecution. This is the, um, the Church of Smyrna, so when you look at the seven uh, different churches in chapter 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, uh, Smyrna is the persecuted church and basically starts from the, the death of John the Revelator to the Diocletian Purge. And there are 10 very tough uh, pharaohs of Rome or uh, Caesars yeah. of Rome who, who persecute. And Di- the Diocletian is the last one, and he's perhaps one of the worst. So think of the person, when we say persecution, sometimes we, in today's age, we can't really appreciate that. I mean, this is, if you're accused of being a Christian, and, and, and you do say amen, if you will, you say yes, not only have you forfeited your life, you have forfeited the life of your family as well, you, you, your children, your wife, your, your whole family would be executed. So the persecution here is, is not only a personal it's familial. It's horrible. It is incredible, and we are moving. We are moving from a, almost a change in an age, from an age where the church is quite literally being killed off, but but from the blood of these martyrs is growing now this desire for this intimacy 
in relationship with our Lord as we move into the, the fourth century. And, and what's interesting is it was fantastic Christian walk during this persecution. Yeah. So as Constantine comes in and everything changes, now we move to the third church, Pergamus, Gamus, marriage. We're being married to the world. And so now you have this deep desire by true Christians to seek a deeper way, and the only place to go then is the desert. Yeah. So there's there's the history, uh, but we're going to talk about gluttony, and gluttony, as you said, has a lot of different aspects to it, and and I might say cousins too. You said that uh, I think you said uh, uh, the the source of the the way to combat. Oh boy, I'm saying it badly. Uh, I told you I didn't understand this. The, the way to combat lust is to get your stomach under control, and and vice versa. In in, in other words. For gluttony, for example, just talking about that, that is a vice. I guess there would be a corresponding virtue, or or what do we? How do we? How do we bring gluttony into our? So first of all, when we talk about the vices, it's not something we focus on. We don't we don't wake up in the morning and say, "I'm going to avoid this vice." What we should do, the Desert Fathers say, is is uh, go after the virtue. How do we do that? What is it? Well, it's it's self control and temperance. It's it's I'm not going to eat as much. The desert fathers say never eat yourself to, to a full stomach. You know, uh, it's and it's directly related to our prayer and the effectiveness of our prayer. This is something that uh, is a uh, is something that I uh, in my personal life, you know, the effectiveness of prayer, uh, if you would call the f of x of it, would have uh, so much to do with our ability to fast. With our ability to do long prayer, not just uh, you know five minutes and ask for something, uh, and so when we move into prayer, if we move into prayer after lunch, for example, it's not going to be as effective. We it's it's good to not eat a long time before prayer, and you know the three o'clock hour is a is a time of prayer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's not it's not good if to grab a bag of potato chips at. Two thirty in the afternoon, and then pray at three. It's you know you get rid of those desires of the stomach, and and your prayer will be more effective. Yeah, and our Lord did say, you know, when our when the uh, disciples came back and said, you know, how come we couldn't chase these demons out? And our Lord said, well, some demons can only be dealt with with prayer and fasting. Yes, and yes. I think it, if anyone has fasted. Uh, you you understand how you feel during that time, and I, I I think I'm taking a left hand turn, but you'll bring me back if I need to if we need to. But you know I think of people who are suffering. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, two of my good friends' fathers actually lost their young younger sons, young adult sons, in the past couple of months, and I was with my my one buddy as we drove. We had about an hour drive to go and see the coroner, and. Um, it was a whole day, you know. I got there in the morning. We never, we didn't get back until late at night, and uh, you know, reflecting on it, we we didn't eat a bite of food. You know, we we were so focused on something else, and um, it was uh, it wasn't honestly, it was not an intentional fast, but it put us in that frame of mind. If that makes any sense, yes, and and you know having f- literal feast and combining it with uh, a, a searching for God, it's 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 um, they're contrary to each other. So when you study the eating habits of hermits and yeah, desert yeah. fathers, uh, there there was one individual who would only eat when he'd have guests, and he'd have guests like once a week. Oh wow! Uh, he wouldn't eat in any other time. And it's uh, you know they uh, I tell you what let me let me start this off I I, I would like to read from the Desert Fathers I think the the Holy Spirit uh, gives us some some light 
relative to these readings. Sure. And Stephen, I'll interrupt you before you do that. I, I, what I want to do also is as we go through this, I'm going to start taking some notes as I am about books that might be good to to go to, to reference, not to reference, but to really dive into. So Stephen, what, what is the name of this book that you're about to read from a little bit? So this is the Philokalia, and uh, there's there's actually five volumes, but four volumes are, are translated by one group, and the fifth volume translated by another group. So it's uh, Philo like uh, love, P-H-I-L-O-K-A-L-I-A. So these are this is a compendium of Desert Father writings from St. Nicodemus and St. Macarius that was published in 1781. And uh, so in this in this case, so Evagrius was the one who who uh, established uh, in his book the Prodicus uh, the the eight deadly vices. But now. A generation after him, you have two sort of journalists. One's uh, uh, St. John Cassian, and then St. Germanicus is a, another monk who went with St. John Cassian to the desert and interviewed all these different desert fathers. And so he wrote a book. Uh, he's wrote several books, but he wrote a book called The Institutes, uh, John Cassian, and in that, he goes over uh, uh, each chapter, he goes over each one of the, the eight deadly vices. Yeah. So we're going to get into that here just in a second. Let me, so I don't have to interrupt you in the middle. Let me just remind everyone that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. I am your host, Peter Karutz. This is Stephen McCain, and we are talking about gluttony, the Desert Fathers, and... Um, if you want to have a copy of this, please call us after the program. I don't want to delay anymore. We'll get right into it. So get yourself settled and start start, start uh, opening up your ears and your mind to appreciate what, what uh, great wisdom is about to be here. I, again, for every time I hit listen to some of this or we read this in our men's group, it just hits me like a bucket of cold water. So here we go. From the Philokalia. Philokalia. This is from the Philokalia. Okay. So uh, this would be the third author in the first volume, and Evagrius is the second author. Um, this is the short version of the Eight De- Deadly Vices. So if you if you bought the Institutes by John Ca- Cassian, you'd have the long version. But I'd like to read on the control of the stomach. I shall speak first about control of the stomach, the opposite to gluttony, and about how to fast and what and how much to eat. I shall say nothing on my own account, but only what I have received from the Holy Fathers. They have not given us only a single rule for fasting or a single standard and measure for eating because not everyone has the same strength. Age, illness, or delicacy of body create differences, but they have given us all a single goal to avoid overeating and filling our bellies. They also found a day's fast to be more beneficial and a greater help towards purity than one extending over a period of three, four, or even seven days. Someone who fasts for too long, they say, often ends up by eating too much food. The result is that at times the body becomes invigorated through undue lack of food and sluggish over its spiritual exercises, while at other times, weighed down by the mass of food it has eaten, it makes the soul listless and slack. So that's the that's the first paragraph and about five paragraphs that he has on this. And it's it, it's it's interesting advice. It's not saying go for a long fast. Yeah. Go for a short fast. Sure. And uh, and even a short fast in the sense of missing a meal, mm-hmm. not missing necessarily three meals, and then giving that missing of that meal to God as a Give sacrifice. Give it purpose. Yes, with a purpose. Yeah. Um, so uh, even in this advice on fasting, it's like, slow down. Yeah. Don't overdo it. Right. Um, you know, just just start a, a very small fast. And we're being purposeful about it, too. You know, when uh, many of us uh, snack and whatnot, and lunch is just a... Uh, a, a way of life, you know, 11.30, noon comes along, boom, we stop, we go to lunch and carry on. It is an interruption to our normal routine that helps us focus on our prayer. So it, it's a good thing. It's a small thing, 
but it's a purposeful thing. And if we feel hungry, I guess that's good. It reminds us why we're doing it, right? Yeah, and I think that the battle of hunger, I mean, it's we, we all have different bodies and different appetites, uh, but the hunger itself uh, is is often a way towards God, uh, giving giving that suffering to God. And, you know, I mean, we live in the United States. We have plenty of food, at least at the moment. Um, and uh, it's not as though we're lacking food. Um, but uh, gluttony is more than just food. Okay. You know, so we, uh, I noticed for myself that I am de-entertaining myself constantly. So I grew up, I, I loved movies when I was young. In yeah. fact, I even said that I voice that I love movies, you know. Yeah. Maybe and, we'll have some again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and you know, uh, it took a long time for me to stop watching movies. It's not as though I never watch a movie, but it's like it's it's a pattern that I want to stop. And I enjoyed music at one point, and once I got deep into Desert Fathers, uh, I realized the value of silence. So when I was traveling from A to B, maybe a half an hour ride. Uh, I would just not turn the radio on. And so that's gluttony too. That silence is a receiving of the grace of that silence. And silence is different. Uh, silence is not the same as quiet. Hmm. Qu- quiet is is the first the first hour or so of no noise. Silence is something that you start to a- obtain deeper, deeper, uh, like at the second hour, or the third hour mark, you begin to sense the silence of God. Then, so, but, but just in traveling, especially if you take a a long trip, an eight-hour trip, oh, that's so hard to do eight hours of silence in a car without someone talking, uh, some music happening, and we're so addicted to music and so addicted to. Uh, different programs on TV, and even in our spiritual lives, so addicted to hearing someone speak uh, about something spiritual. Um, uh, Not as though that's totally wrong, but there's times when we need to just be silent and let the quietness seep into our heart. Stephen, so many thoughts have been going through my mind in terms of of gluttony, what it is, and so I'm going to skip most of them, and I'll just... My wife and I, five years ago, we did a piece of the Camino together. And I thought this would be a great time. And it was with, with my wife and I, but we biked it. So, and the weather was bad, you know, and they were on hills and, and whatnot. And I remember going for hours and there's no internet for goodness sakes. I mean, uh, it, 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 you're in fairly desolate areas in the Pyrenees, but my wife is up ahead of me. I'm behind. And we just kept trudging along, going up the hills, um, quite literally for hours in absolute silence. You, you're, you, what you said just kind of brought it to me. It, it wasn't 10 minutes. It, they were hours and hours and hours. We were in the saddle for six or eight hours a day. But you're right. You know, the, the silence is almost, almost palatable, almost something that is otherworldly. It's, it's, it's something you can touch because we don't, we don't have silence. I find it difficult uh, because my profession is I, I have to talk nine hours a week, and um, and preparing for nine hours of talk requires twenty to thirty hours of preparation. Uh, so the mind isn't silent; it's the mind is just pushed to its limits to make whatever nine hours of talk as creative as possible to engage students. Um, but I I reminisce at times in my life when I, silence ruled and that deeper walk with God can be felt. There is a definite change when we go into silence. In fact, uh, Isaac the Syrian, a, a desert father, uh, uh, living in the 6th century, uh, says that a chatter scatters the soul. You know, uh, just aimless chattering between two individuals. You know, just the ability even to be around people in our household, and still be silent is is a precious thing. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, gluttony, again, you made me think about 10 different things. Uh, maybe 10 years ago, I was contemplating what to give up for Lent, and my partner, who is a, a, a kind of, I'll call it a born-again Protestant, 
um, said, how about cussing? And, you know, I, I think that my, I was very casual about it, frankly, and and I liked cussing, to, to be honest. I liked, you know, going off on a rant. And, and it made me think and stop. Uh, and, and you know what? There was, a gl- there, was a, there was a gluttony. There was a sense of, and I, I know that doesn't make sense, but I, that was sort of a gluttony for me. And giving it up uh, was not not necessarily long-term a, a fast as much as it was a freedom. I don't, I'm not bound by that anymore. No, it, but it was a gluttony, as you're describing it. It's oh, and I have a gluttony for knowing what's going on in the world. Mm. I mean, it's a serious gluttony. And so uh, I think we all kind of wake up with electronics around us. Yeah. And uh, do you pick up a physical Bible and turn a light on and read the Bible? Or do you pick up that phone and find out what happened over the last 10 hours or eight hours since you've been sleeping? Uh, what news story? Whatever. That's... That's also a form of entertainment or a gluttony, uh, intellectual uh, a gluttony. Um, and so to have a sort of reparation from electronics is, is something of our age. It's like, uh, it, can you imagine going to the car and you turn the keys on and you're backing out of your driveway and they go, oh, I don't have my phone. The car might break down, you know. That you know, it's almost as though demons are coming into your mind to make sure you have your electronics packed next to you, even if you don't use them. And, and we didn't say that when we were uh, driving in our twenties. We no. didn't. We, we didn't have a phone. Yeah. You know what happened? Happened, right? What happened, happened, and then you dealt with it. <laughs> you dealt with it. But today, it's all oh, you know. I have to have it, and uh, or you, you know, if you if you're not near your phone, and someone's been trying to, why won't you have your phone with you? It's almost like a sin. I, you know, I, and I. Oh, look, I'm as guilty as anyone of this. You know, I, 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 I tell some of my clients, you know, call me anytime. I'm happy to help you. I know you're, you know, you're going through a difficult time. I, you know, know that I'm around. I said, you always know where to find me. I'm with my phone. And as bad as that is, it is true. I mean, it's sitting here right next to me. Right. I, I would have run up one. I would. I have this week gone home because I forgot my phone. I, I I pretty much do whatever my daughter asked me to do, but she... I do whatever my phone tells me <laughs> to do. she told me, can you take your phone into Mass? I said, I will not take my phone into Mass. I will not take my phone. When I'm worshiping, I am not available. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I don't take my uh, phone into adoration either. Uh, even though it has the Bible on it and everything, I you know, it's... That's interesting. You know, so so uh, it's, it's good to fast from electronics. Yeah. Um, that's certainly true. Uh, games, for example. Games. What do you mean games? Uh, I'm talking about some good, hard thinking games. I mean, everyone has different games, perhaps. Oh, oh I see. Uh, I, I, uh, I had, um, I had this uh, great time when I was very young playing the game of Risk. I loved Risk. Okay, and I had buddies, and we you know, six of us would play, and you can play Risk electronically against a computer with like. Formidable opponents, and I—I've I, got to put it down. I don't want to play it, even though it's a form of gluttony. Well, I told you this is going to be cut from whole cloth. You go and tell a friend that we are talking about gluttony and the Desert Fathers. New stuff. Well, not new stuff, but great stuff in a new way. So come on back in two minutes, and we'll carry on. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. 
St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri, including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we're back. I am Peter Karutz, your host for this program on St. Joseph Radio Presents. We are here with our guest, Stephen McCain. We are talking about gluttony in the Desert Fathers on St. Joseph Radio Presents. And uh, just a quick promo for what they were just talking about. This Roku thing, you know, I, I always think I'm a technological type of guy, but this Roku thing is cool. You buy a stick, you put it in your computer, in your not in computer, in your TV, even if it's not such a smart TV, all of a sudden it's a smart TV and you can get this program and all kinds of programs on there. Or, uh, and, and so avail yourself of it. It's very cool. But if you want a copy of this program or any other Please give us a call at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. I'll give you that number again. And just remember, we have been doing this for 30 years. Anything you're thinking you might want to learn more about, you can do. If you were thinking about doing door-to-door ministry, there's a whole series on that. If you're thinking about starting a men's group, there's a whole series on that. Anything you could possibly want, we have here. And we, we're happy to send it to it. send it to you. Help us with some postage money, and we are thrilled. Even if you don't, we're happy to do that. And if you want a copy of this program, call us, let us know. 31, I'm sorry, not 314, 636-447-6000. And we're back at it with Stephen McCain, Gluttony, the Desert Fathers. So, you know, there's there's two things I notice that we do on TV a lot. Uh, one is we rebuild houses and make them absolutely beautiful. And if you'll remember in the Old Testament where Nehemiah is trying to build the wall and rebuild the temple after they're in Babylon, everybody's busy in their own houses, making them up and making everything pretty. And this is a form of gluttony. And the other thing is, is that um, when I was growing up, when I got out of college, I had a religion degree, couldn't get a job. The only thing I could do was I started off dishwashing, and eventually I became a cook. And I was taught how to be a professional cook. Yeah. And so when you were exposed to the knowledge of food, uh, you know, it, 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 it's an art form. And to be a gourmand, to be someone who's very focused on food, or let's have such and such over and let's cook something really good, it's, it's, it's a form of... Of gluttony, so the it's real. This is like real hard advice, and that is the desert fathers talk about having things very plain, L- not living for your belly, not not seeking the best taste. And like when I, when I make a soup, for example, I mean this is the opposite of what you should do. But it's like you put in the herbs and you slowly bring the salt level up to this perfect point between it's not a salty soup. But there's enough salt to bring out the herbs and the flavor of the yeah, herbs. Yeah. There's, a, there's a critical juncture on the logarithm of salt that if you stop at that point, you've made the perfect soup. Is that right? Yeah. And, and I mean, that, that's, there's a way, the way of cooking, the Tao of cooking or whatever. You know, this is, this is one thing that we very much get into. But at the same time, if you want to control the appetites of your life, all those things that pull you into sin, then you've got to control your belly. And by the ways to control your belly is not just eat less, but it's also not not romancing the you know the the lobsters of the world, the the things that you like most. I mean, I you know I you could almost die for lobster. I mean, that's something I very much like. I think a lot of some people maybe might be allergic to it, but there's certain foods in our life. Some people love steaks or what have you. You know, it's, it's, it's to, to get away from that strong desire to please your stomach and your tongue. 
So um, uh, when we when we are dealing with communion, you uh-huh. know, we deal with the song "Taste and See." It's not, but when we're, when we're cooking in the kitchen, it's "See and Taste." Come over, see what I'm cooking. Do you want to taste? Okay. But here, communion is first taste Christ, take Christ on, and then see the holiness of that moment. All right? So we've got to get away from the scene in our mind of all the great things we can cook. Like, for example, I just, I just made some pesto yesterday. I, 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 I love it because it's a deep herb. It's a green, you know, you start with basil that you grow on your own and, and parsley. And it's just, it's very vibrant for over pasta or over rice or what have you. But it's, you know, we, we can't get so much into our food. This is, this is in many ways leading us uh, to, for a lustful life, lusting many things. Gluttony leads to lust. So when we look at those eight deadly vices, they're paired. The first two is gl- gluttony is Egypt. You come out and now you're in the desert. The first thing is you lust. And, and gluttony is tied to lust. And then we've got six, six more vices after that. And each two are paired together. So, so the next one is love of money. Um, uh, and then love of money brings us anger because we never get enough money. Ugh. So anger and, and greed are, are, are together. And then the next two are paired ag- again. Uh, anger leads to depression. And de- depression leads to slothfulness. It, it it neutralizes our ability to be active in things. Come on, let's just go out and and have a good time. I can't. I'm just depressed. You know, slothfulness yeah, comes yeah, out yeah, of depression. Yeah, yeah. And then when you're sitting there on the couch eating potato chips, watching too much TV, then you start to saying, "Well, I could. I, that person is famous. I could do it better than them." So that's Envy. your that, that vain, vainglory. Vainglory. And vainglory leads to pride. So you have these couples, and, and lust is coupled to gluttony. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. when we want to simplify our life, keeping our life as simple as possible, um, food and what goes into our stomach is a control mechanism. Yeah. And, and just so we know, we're, we're talking about these these things we're talking about fasting we're talking about the vice gluttony but uh again here we are making a left-hand turn i want to get back to reading some of this stuff but one thing i want to be clear about the, the goal here is not to be uh, uh self-deprecating or depriving ourselves to you know on purpose if you will it is on purpose but it's to create a sense of freedom and communication with with our Lord. You know, if we're weighed down by my phone, my electronics, my desire for food, my, on, 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 I've got a thousand things distracting me, and what don't I have? Lost to, I don't have freedom. And that is one of the great gifts. Sometimes we, we hear the church always saying, no, say no, say no. But the church is not saying no. It's saying, do this so that you can have freedom to be the person you want to be, the person who God intends you to be. If I am tied down with all of these distractions, I can't pursue those things that would really make me happy. It's all about freedom in the end. And and to get there, uh, if we had goals, perhaps two goals would be purity and humility, because those are what when we have those and truly have those, and I mean after decades of trying to obtain them, not just in a matter of hours, yeah. uh, then we have a, a resultant in our yeah. prayer life. Um, the prayers of a righteous man are often heard. It's right yeah, out of the yeah, Bible. Right, right, right. You know, so, so how do we seek purity? Uh, well, that's chastity, chastity of the mind, chastity of the way of, of life. And, and how do we control that? Gluttony. Yeah. We control our stomach. We can control our lust. Yeah, Stephen. I don't want to get too far away. I want. I want to get back to the book. You have something else yes, you could yes. read to uh, us because the hour is going to fly by. It's already flying by. So this is this is from Saint Nilus the ascetic. Uh, this this fellow is 
uh, he dies in 430 A.D., and um, he's the very first reference to the Jesus prayer um, uh-huh. in, in, in Christian writings. So here he he's very well known, and he's, he's uh, very much – he talks about – one of his themes is talking about having uh, a, a, an individual lead you and help you to have some mentor, a guide. Um, but he's been talking in this particular uh, writing uh, in the paragraph before about Rachel sitting on the idol. And so I'll, t- I'll pick it up in the next paragraph, and about uh, halfway through this paragraph, we start to get into gluttony. We rightly spoke of such a, s- a soul as sitting on idol- idols, for when the soul becomes firmly attached to these unreal objects, it is enslaved to habit instead of serving truth. And through habit, it is defiling the real nature of things, as though with menstrual blood. Scripture uses the expression sitting to signify both failure to do what is right and also love of pleasure. It has in mind failure to do what is right when it speaks of those that sit in darkness and the shadow of death fettered by poverty and iron. So that's out of Isaiah 9 and uh, Psalm 107. For darkness and fetters prevent us from taking action, and it has in mind love of pleasure when it speaks of those who in their hearts turned back towards Egypt and said to one another, we remembered how we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of meat. That's from Exodus 16. Those who love pleasure, keeping their appetites, appetites hot, and humid are indeed sitting by the flesh pots. For gluttony engenders love of pleasure and many other passions as well. It is a root from which the rest of the passions spring up in vigorous growth, little by little, developing as suckers alongside the mother tree and putting our branches of evil that reach up to the sky. So, just imagine a Super Bowl party. What would a Super Bowl party be without food? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's and 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 drink and drink, and it's like, uh, you know, you, when you go to one of these good parties, they had exceptional food, and they really and see that was a very pleasurable moment. So, food and pleasure are correlated to each other. Yeah, yeah, and and I. Some of these things that we we give again giving up are, are giving us uh, giving us freedom as well. Um, you know, I, I I think about long story that I won't tell right now, but uh, I don't drink unless I'm with my wife. One exception, right? But um, so, but I I used to travel a great deal. I was with clients all the time, and and I thought, well, this is going to be hard. It's not. I mean, it. I, I thought it was going to be hard. Even up, even every time I. You don't do it, if you will. I think it's hard, but it is. It, it gives great freedom, and I think all of these things are are giving that freedom. Hey, tell me something that I missed here. You, you said, and, and the the imagery is there, and I don't, I don't know, I don't understand it. What is Rachel sitting on an idol? What okay. does that mean? Okay, so um, they're quickly uh, leaving the uncle, and uh, Rachel and Jacob are now going back home. And the uncle comes, and he's missing his idol. And uh, they had the tradition of the red tent. The red tent is when women were menstruating. They would go to this red tent uh, together and sit until their menstrual cycle had passed. And so she took this idol that she stole from her uncle. Um, I'm sorry, from her father. Uh, This is an uncle of Jacob. And... um, and he's looking for it, and he comes at the door of the tent and says, "Do you know where it is?" And she's, she's, uh, no, I don't. What? In fact, she's sitting on it because you wouldn't disturb a woman in the red tent because that's that's like a zone a man wouldn't go. Yeah. And this is where she's hiding her pleasure. That that idol that was so important to dad, she's taking on a trip with herself. And the sitting is interesting too, because that uh, that signifies that that slothfulness. Plus, uh, you know, it led by the gluttony of, of of the desire for this idol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, this, like I said, this is this is something I'm so intrigued about. It, it, everything is just brand brand new. 
Um, so we have uh, gluttony, and we have its cousin, lust. Yes. So what what do we do here? What do we what do we tell people that, you know, all of us and me, please? How, how can I translate this into my life? Look. The, the, you, you, when you began this, you told us that this is how the Desert Fathers began. They they were in solitude for literally years, praying for decades, you know, in a in a hermitage. I, I'm not likely to go to a hermitage. Put this in in terms that of what I can do. What what can I do to start appreciating? And we'll talk about the books that we have here in a minute, but. Give me some practical things that we might be able to do to really start living the Desert Fathers. I, I think from the readings I've I've done of them, and I I started this in two thousand three after I was a Protestant, and and uh, I had this revelation that uh, we were in unique times, perhaps the end times, and I had to go a lot deeper. And I found first the Jesus Prayer that eventually led led me to the Desert Fathers. So. What I recognize in the Desert Fathers is that there's three voices inside our head. One is our conscience, which is classically our our guardian angel. Today is, uh, you know, we uh, we uh, in Mass this was dedicated to our our guardian angel today. So uh, so our guardian angel is our conscience. It's uh, we can say the Holy Spirit, and certainly the Holy Spirit can talk to us directly. But when we have those good thoughts those things that we ought to do and, and that perhaps we don't do, that that is the voice of goodness inside us, coming directly from God through the angels towards us. Then we have the natural self. And the natural self is, for, for me, for my natural self, is a pretty stupid uh, self. It's just, you know, it's a very plain self. It doesn't have a lot of um, originality. It's, it's, it's fairly quiet. Um, and then you have what I would call the demons, uh, and this is what the, the Desert Fathers have. So what you have to recognize is uh, if you're, you know, been a long day, you're, you're, you're sitting down in a couch and you just want to take a couple breaths, and all of a sudden something goes, well, man, I'm hungry. I, I think I like some potato chips. You know, th- who, who said that? Who, who told you to go? You know, this is this is uh, two hours before the next meal. Who told you to get those potato chips? Was that your natural self? Probably not. Was yeah. it your guardian angel? Absolutely not. Yeah. So this was a demon trying to push you to gluttony because if he can push you to gluttony, he then can you're push de- you to other things. Well, and your desire for prayer goes down. So yeah. the more your belly is full, the less you have a desire to seek God. I'm going to talk about the full heart as well, but oh, I have to tell you that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri. We are live with Stephen McCain, and we're talking about purity, uh, not purity, sorry, we're talking about gluttony uh, and the Desert Fathers. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. So again, you're, 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 tell me if I'm going wrong here, but you said demons and gluttony and one of the things that I think that uh, Bishop Herman, our, my, our old pastor, uh, he, he's he's always said that the that the demons don't have any power unless for the power you give them. Right. And one of the gluttonies that uh, I, I, I we'll talk about me. One of the gluttonies that I have trouble with is the spirit of unforgiveness. Mm. I don't want to let it go. Right? right. And the more I let it go, the more free I am. So gluttoning, being, you know, gluttonous with the, the, the righteous indignation, the, the, the um, spirit of unforgiveness is a burden on myself. Uh, and and uh, my, my great friend, Monsignor Gaelic, who, who I've known since I, I was 12, he, he said something that I think w- that was so profound it, with respect to forgiveness or anything else. He said, and I think the question came to him, I remember we're high school kids at this point and, and before. He said, does prayer, someone asked him, does prayer make a difference? And he said, firstly and primarily, prayer changes the prayer. So when we feel this gluttony of 
unforgiveness, pray for the object that requires that forgiveness. It'll change you. Right. The, the forgiveness, the letting go of that spirit of unforgiveness is a fast. It's an emptying, just like emptying our belly. Right, right. It's an emptying of our heart. And that will take the power out from the demons. You know, when there's a fire, we've seen it in, in, in high school experiments, when there's a fire, you put, it, you put something on top of it and you suck all the air out. And the fire has nothing, no fuel to burn. That's what happens when you forgive, when you pray for the object of that for, that requires your forgiveness. You take all the air out of the fire that the demons want. How? By fasting, this emptying of this desire to, to keep that spirit of unforgiveness. And so how do we push the demons away from us and keep them out of our mind? And the Desert Fathers talk about the Jesus Prayer. So the Jesus Prayer— Oh, yeah, yeah, got to talk about the Jesus Prayer. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a breathing in— of the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, that's a breath in, and then an exhaling of, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's Can a, we just do that? Sure. Let's do it a couple times. Okay. You, you do it. I'm going to sit here and listen. I'm going to be quiet, okay? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So each time Jesus is said, it pushes, it, first of all, it singes the demons, which they don't like. They don't like to be burnt by the name of Jesus. And if, if, if you're short of breath, you don't have to do that long prayer in some ways. You could just say, Lord Jesus, have mercy, or Jesus, mercy if you don't have that much wind in you. But every time you say Jesus, you're keeping the demons out of your mind, keeping gluttony from just, you know, that inching into you to to do something that is, you know, it, it, it's not going to fulfill what you really thought it would fill. You know, demons have a great way of dealing with your imagination that, you know, if you just get such and such, everything is going to be really nice. You're going to have a good time. You know, this is a, the, the way the demons talk. So what's wonderful about the Desert Fathers is they, they very intentionally describe um, what the demons do to the mind. So the, the key in the, in the desert is not to leave the cell. It's to constantly pray. And so what the demons basically do is once they have recognized that a desert father has overcome this ability, uh, this the, the different vices that might be in life, and they've gone into this second state, this illuminative state, then they move to doing things good. Don't you want to go over and see Peter? You know, he's he's got such and such going on. Don't you want to com- go and comfort him? So, you know, the demons then will have a voice of goodness. But in essence, it's, you know, in Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. You know, this is something we're missing so much in our culture now, this, this, this realm of stillness. I asked my students um, a couple semesters ago, before we were all wearing masks and stuff, before the pandemic happened, I just queried them and I said, how many of you have sat still for 15 minutes in the past year? Wow. I had one hand go up. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, how about this? How many of you sat still for 10 minutes? It was sort of like Abraham talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. There's Is just there one, ten, one, two. Yeah. And I got down to five minutes yeah. and still just one hand. Yeah. So, you know, the essence of just drop it all. Yeah. Sit there and do the Jesus prayer or sit there and pray yeah. or sit there in silence. So if you go for a long vigil, it's not just constant prayer. So at one point, you just stop, and you just absorb God. 
So when we when we are able to tame the gluttony in us, then uh, we can get closer to God. There you go. You know, you just said that Jesus prayer three times. There was such silence in it. You know, since this is the Feast of the Guardian Angels, because we end with uh, the Guardian Angel Prayer, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Um, Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side to light, to guard, to rule, to guide. So please, if, if Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen, go out, spend a great week, pray, and look for your guardian angel to care for you, and be quiet, if you will, please. <laughs> Say that Jesus prayer. Remember, some of these Desert Fathers would say it a hundred, a thousand times. Come on back next week, tell a friend, and know the Desert Fathers. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. All right, interweb people, we're going to go come back, tell a friend, share this on your Facebook, uh, uh, Instamatic, Instagram thing. Share it with everybody and spread the word. It's your responsibility. You're baptized. Help us spread the word. Have a great week.